Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Injured at work in a motor vehicle accident or had a fall in a public space? Speak to Your Claim Lawyers, a no-win, no-fee, personal injury claims law firm that specialises in maximising compensation claims for injured people. Call 1-800-YOUR-CLAIM or yourclaimlawyers.com.au. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. It's time to cast off on a new adventure. This is Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. Good morning and welcome to Real Adventures and it's a little bit different this week because I did say my friend Dangerfield was going to be sitting beside me, well not sitting beside me because he's in WA, but he was going to be on air with me and he is on air but I've got Sammy Goodwin on the headphones next to me now. Good morning Sammy. Morning. And I've also got the WA resident Patrick Dangerfield on the line. Morning Patrick. Good morning boys. Yes, a few technical difficulties at the moment but uh, we'll get through it over well, hopefully the next couple of days and be back to normal next week, Redmond. You had a massive week. Well, before Sammy and I get into a bit of fishing talk, because Pat's going to fill us in, you've had a massive week on the footy front. It looks like uh, you you've, should have packed more clothes in the suitcase, Patrick. <laughs> should have packed more clothes and maybe a few more shorts. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's, been, uh, it's been pretty crazy, to be honest with you. Clearly, you know, things aren't going well in Vico, and, and you guys are lucky at the moment, clearly with... Um, you know, with where the shutdowns are at, but the AFL more broadly at the moment, we're in a we're trying to be as proactive as we possibly can, I suppose. So, you know, we're in Western Australia for another sort of two weeks, and then head up to the Gold Coast for sort of an unknown length of time, depending on where finals sit and all like, all things like that. So, you have to get out in the boat up there, boys. You're looking at fourteen weeks realistically if you play finals, Patrick. Yeah, we are, Edmund, and um, the concern is there is a new boat on the way, <laughs> and it's going to be it's going to be ready in September. So I, I can't have you getting near that without me because no, we can give that a test. You, you don't, that. <laughs> but Sammy, I have no no issues or qualms if you were there with with that, Aaron. But the problem is, Aaron isn't always the cleanest person on the boat. And I like to, the squid comes on board, the ink comes on board, and it's gone. Deck wash on, <laughs> clean it off, no blood. Like, there's nothing that uh, ferments or sits in one spot it's funny how for any longer than 30 seconds. It's funny how he says it, Sam, like it's choice. Like, it, it doesn't actually catch anything to have that happen. Yeah, so that's, that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> the reason there's blood on Aaron's boat is because he actually catches fish, Pat. Well, it's not off he pumps me up. Sam, I don't need you to gang up on me. <laughs> 
whilst we're on here. This is how it works because <laughs> I am the numero uno on this show. Well, you were. You gang up with me against Darren. You Not were. the other way around. See, I've, got, I've got microphone one today. <laughs> Sam's got microphone two, and We've you're on the phone. Yeah, you're on the phone. <laughs> He's just like calling. Yeah. Uh, to be honest, I've been expecting this uh, for a few weeks now, Pat. I feel like you've been lacking a bit of gusto in, a, in the past couple of weeks. And Hutchie, Hutchie's called the reins up up in the coach's box and has dragged her. I'm in a full pocket snagging goals. <laughs> Oh, and what an imposing figure you would be. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, jeez. Let's go back to the boat. Righto, take us through it. We haven't spoken enough about it in the past weeks. Uh, It's been a little bit tough, and we are trying to do things as normal as possible with the show regarding real adventures, and it is hard because Pat is in WA. So, Pat, here it is. You have got the new boat. It's We won't say nearly done, but you are not far off getting it, which is only a few months away. Take us through it. What is it? What's happening on the back? So I was actually speaking to Robbie Cumming from North Bank yesterday. It's, the shell is, is finished, so it's out of the mole. But it's a 750 North Bank, so it's got twin 200 uh, Mercs, V6s. So just at the not, the, not the planning stage, that part's done, but sort of almost planning of the fit out with everything. So I want it to be as sort of simple as possible in terms of what's in it. So rather than going you know, a whole lot of different screens for engine diagnostics, you know, sounder, et cetera. I just want it to be nice and clean on the dash of the boys at North Bank. They've redone the, their dash to be able to accommodate a 22-inch flush mount screen. So that's the plan at the moment, um, or, as, or as big as I can get, basically. Um, <laughs> just to clean everything up, Aaron. You know, you, you've done, you've previously done the same thing, cleaned up the dash. So that, that's sort of where it's at at the moment. And, um, yeah, things are getting exciting. Probably looking to, to dry stack this compared to trailer it, which is sort of the, the plan at Queen's Coast. So if they ever ring us unfortunately, back. If they ever, unfortunately, it's very close to you, so you'll be getting a bit of use. Well, I was going to say you should probably fit a duster in it, but it might actually get a bit of use. I might actually have to steal it out of the Queensleaf Harbour there, Sammy, because it comes with its personal chef, Sam. That's why you're on the boat, like you said earlier. Building a Mogs Creek Harbour before before we know, he'll dry dock it down there and beach launch it. Actually, have you spoke about them putting a wall in there, Pat? Speak to the local council. I actually might just send it to Queensland instead because by the time I get back, <laughs> everything will be out of date. So it's, I'm going to have to trade it in, so I might as well send it to Queensland instead. <laughs> well, the question now is something I got told not to mention to you from Mercury, but are you going to do it? Are you going to commit? Because I don't know how you're going to do driving a 750, but what about the joystick controller, Patrick? You love your toys. Are you going to consider <laughs> the joystick controller? Well, this is the one thing I'm a bit not nervous about because you're just going to spend time driving it. But it is fairly different to driving a, a single engine versus twins, especially with docking and that sort of thing. So if you could put a good word in for me, that'd be great. I but, think they're um, pretty pricey. I think they're real pricey. <laughs> like, I don't know how much. The, when he mentioned it to on the phone, I shouldn't even be telling you. He's like, does Pat want the joist actually... No, don't worry about. It. Don't 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 say that. It costs too much. Yeah. And I said, do I mention? It? He's like, don't mention it. I've just blown Typical. the cover on air. Uh, <laughs> this isn't good. But going back to the hubs up there, Pat, just quickly, are you allowed to do any sort of recreation? Like, what are you allowed to do? Are you are you allowed so to go for a fish or anything? Or not? like, is it? How does it work? Well, the setup in Queensland, in Western Australia, boys, it's it's pretty simple. It's in the the promenade complex of Crown, which 
Like the, it's very much simple accommodation in terms of the bedroom. So I'm in the bedroom at the moment, and basically there's a TV, um, there's a sort of a single couch and a um, bathroom, and then downstairs is sort of where they've they've blocked off and cordoned off a few different areas. So there's sort of a a bar area that's been converted to sort of a breakfast. You got rid of the table. bar. <laughs> what sort of hub is this? <laughs> At this stage, and, um, so that sort of area has got the uh, your breakfast bar set up, a few um, table tennis tables, um, and then the ballroom in in the area has actually been divided into three: one area for for eating for dinner, uh, second area is uh, meeting room physio massage, um, and then the third is is a gym. So it's been a been a huge. It would have been a logistical nightmare to be totally honest to, to get it rolling. So they've done an incredible job to get it done as quickly as what they have. But that's it. You know, you're not allowed out outside uh, except for training and games. So that's the that's the policy around the breaking protocols. The agreement the AFL has with Western Australia is these are the protocols in which you, you have to stay. So yeah, it's been. Huge effort to get it up, but we've got 14 days of this, and then after that, I might sneak out for a bit of a fish before we head up to, to Queensland because there's a few uh, few boys have had on real adventures before that are keen to go for a bit of a fish. So Carlos Langdon messaged me the other day, so we're going to talk to him and hopefully get out to not Rod but around there and get a few fish, boys. I know the snapper have been firing in WA some big Jewfish too and obviously everything else out wide you can't really go wrong in WA but Sammy Goodwin here has got a little challenge for you Patrick just a little challenge I heard a little rumour that you've got a uh, like a little three or a four weight fly rod being sent over and I thought you might be able to catch a uh, sparkle narkle in the swimming pool <laughs> uh, yeah your sources are correct um, actually um, I do love my fly fishing so there is a a pool there, <laughs> but I've caught a I've caught a Gary Rowan. Gaz wants to learn how to fly fish. Oh, he's God. an OG so, local too. That's old, old Gary yeah, Rowan. He's, a bit, he's, yeah. he's nearly Sergeant Baker Gurnard like, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, so he's not oh, like. I can't uh, talk myself. Yeah, <laughs> if, if our team were, were fish, Narks would definitely be a marlin, and and Gary Rowan would be a Gurnard. I'd say. You might have to upsize. Look, you don't have to be a Nemo. <laughs> so we do have a, we do have a green a green space outside, which is probably 100 meters or 80 meters by sort of 30. So there's a bit of room that you can go for a walk. Um, <laughs> Sounds riveting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it does. It does sound like a caged animal, doesn't it? But um, it's certainly a hell of a lot better than you know being isolated to a bedroom or anything like that. Which, which people coming into WA, that's what they have to do. So, um, we'll look after us in that respect. And it's it's hard to argue, boys, because there's been no cases of COVID nineteen uh, over here yet. When you compare it to something like what's happening in Victoria at the moment, and I know both of you boys will just be. Hanging on to dear life, that fishing won't be a casualty of, of you know, the, the pandemic and having to reclose that again. Are you are you going okay with that, Redmond? Oh, well, we're not even Sammy and myself aren't even in the actual restriction. You know, the the lockdown period at the minute. We're obviously in Ocean Grove, so we have a little bit freedom. But my question was, can because stage four, four realistically is getting spoken about. Can we skip stage three and go to four like the rest of Melbourne? Do you reckon Andrews can do that to us, good man? 
I don't reckon he can. I reckon we should be three to start off with. So me and you can still fish, but everyone in Melbourne <laughs> can't launch. <laughs> well, that's what it is. That, that's, that's the last time, Sam. That's not good for the show. Right, I'll get, I'll get the boot for that. No, I, re- I really hope no matter what the restrictions are, people still have the freedom to get that bit of leisure activity in, whether it's fishing or playing golf, because you do kind of need it for the mental mm. um, stimulation and keep morale high so everyone can get through this safely. Well, speaking of a bit of fishing, Sammy, you and I headed out during the week. I'll let you take it away for a little bit. What a, we yeah, had a pretty good week. We had a couple of goes. The, the weather was a bit of a mixed bag. Early on in the week, we had some really cold and miserable weather with easterly winds. Tell me about it. managed to get out on the whiting two or three days in a row. I fished with you once, but you bagged every day. Yep. And then later on in the week, we had some of the Best winter weather you could ever ask for down here. We were in blue t-shirts skies, offshore. Glass water offshore, <laughs> no swell. I got sunburnt. I'm still burnt. <laughs> we managed to get a, uh, one small gummy, and we actually got a really good bag of um, little swallowtail snapper and nanagai, which yep. was one of the most um, surprising eating experiences we've had lately. I think we crumbed them up. Made a little fish burger out of it, but just like such an underrated fish, and there's so many out there, and it crumbed up. Is this so the nanagai well. you're talking? The nanagai, yeah. The, you should have seen it. Like it, the white, it's white. They're white, crystal clear. Like it's clear yeah. flesh. Like it's beautiful flesh. And we watching the cats get done by the pies. Uh, we were watching that, and we had a. So we Aaron, had a, we don't had a, bring that. <laughs> we had a two course meal. We had mussels for entree, and obviously Sammy is a is a cook and. He whipped up a beautiful, what, what do we do? A little uh, white wine, creamy sauce with the mussels first? Yeah, a little white wine, creamy sauce. At so the start you, of the game? Yeah, saute down the onions, add your white wine, reduce that right down. A little bit of cream just to make it really nice and rich. Add your mussels in and you are in heaven. You just need a bit of crusty white bread to soak up that sauce. It was yeah, Damn, I don't... I don't, I don't need this commentary on what you guys have been eating. Well, and then, the nana, going back to the nana guy, half time with yeah. the nana guy, we crumbed that up into the burger, and honestly, it was probably it's one of the tastiest fish. And I, I know people say I was in a burger with other stuff. We nah. barely put anything in it. We put a little bit of lettuce. We ended up eating it in lettuce cups, and just yeah. so you could enjoy the fish without the burger bun. But I mean, when you get our offshore fish down here, when they're feeding off the reefs, the flesh begins to taste like the shellfish that they're eating. So you get something that's nearly resembling like a prawn or a crayfish mm. taste, but within this beautiful white flesh of the fish. It was so good. And is it deeper water, Redmond, that you generally catch nanogai in Victorian waters? We, so people, it's probably one of the most questionable, questioned fish I've had on my social media platforms is like, I didn't think we'd get them far down, down south this far. And we, we were in 50 metres of water. And yep. which is deeper than the average punter fishes around here. We've got a nice reef. Well, it's actually a massive reef. There's heaps of reef out there, but no one adventures out there. And when I say they are in big numbers, Pat, we're, we're dropping down like you can't be on the bottom. So we're using – do I give away the secrets here? Give away the secrets. We're dropping down to the bottom <laughs> and we're winding up 15 to 20 metres off the bottom. And we can see the nana guy on the screen that is just plague proportions. Like, And I drop the GoPro down. I always drop my GoPro down to the bottom. And – when you stop it in the school of Nanagai, there are hundreds of thousands. I'm not even exaggerating. Like just layers of them. Just they're that thick. There's that many fish there and they're all through our waterway. And if you head down to the Southwest where people more commonly believe that we catch them. So for example, your deeper waters off Portland. And I know Scotty Gray fished on Matt Hunt's boat during the week, uh, bottom fishing and they landed 
plenty of Nanagai and Swallowtail, uh, as well as, uh, uh, I'm trying to think of the name of the fish, it'll come to me, um, a deep water fish, I'll come, it'll come to me in a second. We don't actually catch it here, it's in the deep waters of Portland, but it's one of those deeper fish, and we don't catch a, a lot of Nanagai in the areas that they do in Portland, for example. We catch them in completely different areas. So they're sort of up to 100 metres, Pat. Well, we don't have 100 metres of water. So our fish has to, they have to be somewhere and they're in our deeper parts. So that 50 to 60 metres is where you're going to find them and keeping your baits well off the bottom. So if you do want to catch them, head out wide uh, off Portland. Uh, sorry, uh, yeah, off Portland, and you're going to catch plenty of Nanagai, but if you want to catch them locally to the Port Phillip Bay heads, go find a reef in that 50 to 60 metres, and you're going to catch plenty of them. So, um, what's how, the how far are you going to sit it off the... How far are you going to sit it off the reef? You can... Uh, honestly, you can see it on the sonar pad. Like, so wherever they're sitting. But I would... The reason if you drop down to the bottom, you're going to get plagued by Barbara Perch because we're using small baits to catch them. So you need to bring them up like 15, 20 metres, Pat, like 30 metres down. And... Yeah. Yep. In that fifty or fifty-five, and you're going to catch plenty of fish. And I mean, so is yeah. that a floated bait? No, no, on putting a, down it's a, just a whiting rig. Legit, Sam's been cut gotcha. up twice going stuff you, Pat. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like it's my show now. <laughs> no, it's just uh, just a standard captain now. <laughs> just a standard whiting rig, Coco Sammy. <laughs> and I mean, they're pretty similar fish in the way they look and in the way they eat. But um, can you like elaborate on the difference between them? The nana guy and the swallowtail. Yeah. yeah, massive difference. The swallowtail, hence the name swallowtail, has a swallow um, like tail. It's literally massive tail, and they're more of a. Uh, they're more of a, a narrower fish, skinnier fish, and a rounder head. Where your nanagai is oranger, much more orange, not more red. It's more well. Look, it's a distinguished difference in color. It, you still call them uh, red. You you'd still call them a red color, but it's more of an orange red. Uh, also, the scales on them on the nanagai are hard as a rock. Like it's hard to scale them. Where your swallowtail are a little bit softer, and also the size. I haven't seen two many big swallowtails, but the Nanagai, you'll get them up to three, four kilo at times, where the ones we caught weren't even a kilo during the week, but I know Polo Bay, I was speaking to Dan Mackerel during the week, and he said to me that they were landing them up to two kilo regularly off Apollo Bay, but, so there's plenty of, plenty of fishing happen right across the state of Victoria, and the reason I say that is because we can't travel out of it, so, uh, but like I said, the WA is fishing well. I know Queensland's fired right up offshore because they haven't got any restrictions in play at the minute regarding fishing. But Patrick, we have to go to a break. I'm going to get you on after the break. We're going to ask you, we're going to do a few social media questions. So don't go anywhere. You'll listen to Sam Goodwin, Patrick Dangerfield, and Aaron Habgood, and that's Real Adventures. You're listening to Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. Welcome back to Real Adventures, and it is now time for the social club. And if you do want to join in the conversation, make sure you send your question in on our social media platforms on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. And if you've just joined in uh, after the after the ad break, we have Patrick on the phone and Sammy Goodwin sitting next to me in the host chair. Patrick, you're going to be asking the first question today. Fire away. Yes, Redman. The first question is from Tim. Sam, how do I tenderize abalone Ooh. when I'm looking to cook it? Abalone is a great one, Pat. We um, dive for them frequently throughout summer, but there's only certain times when you can tape, take them. We've experimented a little bit. You generally find very similar methods to what we talk about when we do calamari. 
Uh, the easiest one I like to do, they freeze really well because they're such a firm flesh. They're not going to break down when you freeze them. They will a little bit, but that actually helps the tenderizing. Similar then, to calamari. Similar to calamari, which is my preference to do. Otherwise, they don't have to be tenderized. If you slice them thin enough, no tenderization required. You can put them on the barbecue hot plate, a little bit of oil, salt, pepper, lemon, and you will be in heaven. The other way to do it is low and slow cooking. It can be boiled down for four to five hours before you add it through your stir fry or put it, you can, again, put it on your barbecue plate. Uh, but you either want to go short and sharp or low and slow. One thing that... that so, so when you boil it, you're saying, you're boiling that in salt water, I'm assuming? Yeah, salt water. You can, you, I mean... If you want to, you can take water from the ocean. It is the perfect saltiness, and I've seen people do it. Add in your seaweed and stuff if you want to get really wild. Um, but otherwise, just season water at home. Patrick, I was all against eating uh, abalone just because it just looked too hard to clean. It was too hard. I thought it was too hard to deal with. And then Sammy and I hosted a, a fisheries event up in Portland, uh, a couple, probably two or three years ago now, and. I see abalone when I dive every single time, and I've never, ever grabbed them. Unless someone requests it, I never take them. Used to. Now, it's I nearly grabbed them before I grabbed crayfish because they are actually one of the nicest eating uh, things out of the ocean, Pat. Seriously, it is how you how Sammy does it. You do it nice and thin too. That's another yeah. key factor is thin. That is, that is the secret. I mean, that's what the guys down at Yumba Aquaculture taught me down in Portland everyone's scared of it because they think there's so much work but if you slice it super thin like we were saying and on the barbecue hot plate there is not much better eating out of the ocean all right patrick next question is for you and it's actually coming from myself you are a very interesting (laughs) character because he loves his toys he loves things to do you can't really do a hell of a lot you got your fly rod coming what are you even doing in isolation to keep yourself sane what are you doing uh, like you, what is your hobby? Question. Well, my isolation has been quite busy at the moment because obviously um, my role in the uh, Players Association as president sort of keeps things quite interesting. So it hasn't been sort of just sitting in a hotel room for hours on end each day. Most of the time it's been sort of spent on the phone. So there's clearly a fair bit happening and the logistics around moving the amount of teams that the AFL is to... Queensland is, is quite extraordinary. So that's, that's been a lot of my time. I actually brought over, and 10 years ago in Adelaide, for some reason I bought myself a Nintendo 64 for, on eBay for, for about $90. So I actually brought that over with me. But one of the my criticisms of Crown is they put these backing plates on TVs now, so you can't even access the HDMI cord on the back. So, I've, you know, I don't want to complain about... Uh, about Crown Resorts, but any danger of taking off these bloody plates on the back of the TV? So Pat complains. I've been trying to. Don't know who I'm you sorry. are, Pat. <laughs> Doesn't work well, over there. I don't want yeah. him there. <laughs> Get out of my state, you Melbourne person. <laughs> so that's sort of what it's been so far, Redmond. So it's been a bit busy, but certainly, I mean, now we've, we've got another ten days before we play our next game. So normally, you know, you head home, you spend time with family, like you do different things every days off. But in this sort of hub scenario that we're in, you're in each other's pockets. It is a lot like the Big Brother house. Like they're 
you're inside the whole time and you have people walk past the front of the building and you know you feel a bit like a fish in a fish tank I won't so, make it I won't make it too personal but geez I wish I could vote someone out of that Geelong team like Big Brother I tell you <laughs> <laughs> uh, isn't it easy from the from the armchair <laughs> uh, Sammy you're going to fire away righty I've got the next question it comes from Josh on Facebook now he's talking about the optimum conditions to catch a barrel bluefin tuna. I'm going to elaborate on a little bit. We see them caught. We've heard of them caught between Cape Shank all the way down to Portland, little ones here and there. Why are they there? And what are the optimum conditions that you're looking for when you're fishing? All right. Firstly, the optimum conditions when you are chasing barrel bluefin for me is wind. I want a northerly wind because they're offshore and I want it to blow. And what I mean by blow, I want 15 minimum up to 22, 20, not much more than 22 knots. The reason, there's a few reasons why I want wind. The first reason is it puts chop on the surface, which makes fish eat and feed more freely on the surface, therefore makes them easier to catch on lures. They're not going to be as uh, as uh, as fickle on the surface to a lure as what it is during the rough, where they're just going to smash that lure. The other reason is it keeps the boats away. When there's wind, it keeps the boats away. When you're chasing barrel bluefin tuna and a school comes up to the surface, it can be very hard to get your baits and your lures on a bait ball when there's 64 boats trying to hit that same patch of fish. So keeps the boats away. It makes them feed better. And on a northerly, for some reason, the northerly wind always makes them feed better. I don't know why, but it's something that I've noticed. So they're my optimum conditions. Uh, the other fact that you've asked is why do they come in... Why do they head to Portland rather than towards Cape Shank in numbers as such? Uh, I reckon a lot of it's to do with the food. Uh, now, you've got, to, you've got to picture our continental shelf. So, our continental shelf runs right around Australia, and it basically misses Victoria. Uh, sorry, not Victoria. It gets Victoria. It misses Melbourne region, we'll call it. So, it comes out to Apollo Bay, out wide off Apollo Bay, and then it tapers back out and heads down to the bottom of Tasmania and then it comes right back up towards Lakes Entrance out wide and then comes back up the coast of New South Wales. So our natural current and on for example our on the New South Wales our eastern current that runs down our we don't have the bait and the food content that travels into us that it does everywhere else. And you've got places like St Helens in Tasmania that as it wraps around there the barrels holding those areas at the moment JB in New South Wales is going off its nut with barrel bluefin tuna. It, they reckon it's the best bluefin tuna bite they've had, and I think the New South Walians are pretty happy with Melbournians not being able to travel there because they've got them to it themselves. I tell you, Pat, the fishing. It's New South Welsh. It's New South Welshmen, not New South Walians. No, Walians. <laughs> we'll call them Walians. That's what they are now, anyway, to me. But basically, they've got a red hot bite up there that the fish nearly skip Melbourne as such. But they come. Moon phases, Redmond. Uh, I, you know me, Pat. I bloody hate moons. It's <laughs> the easiest way to explain it. Uh, people quite often say, "Oh, the full moon's coming. We'll go for them." And people forget that on a full moon you have dodge tides. And the first thing they whinge about when they get there is dodge tides. Dodge tides suck. What it means is there's only one tide during the day. So that there. You basically, your tide changes are a dominant time where bait's going to be pushed up to the surface. And if you can get two of them in a day, you're going to catch fish. I don't often look at my moon phases for them other than missing. I, do, I will not fish on a dodge tide. Uh, so I'm more looking at your, your wind as such. I like a little bit of wind. And also, stay well away from the dodge tide. I can't talk about it enough because 
no tide, no flow, no go. And whether it's a whiting, for example, we're on dodge tides the minute, you can say. And we've got no tidal flow in Port Phillip Bay, and they wouldn't have very minimal up in Portland as well. Therefore, the barrels aren't going to be easy to catch. You will catch the odd fish, but you won't catch the numbers that you sort of want to catch. And a prime example, Pat, I was only up there a few weeks back, and we had a we fished. I wanted to fish the Thursday, Friday, but a mate of mine could only fish Wednesday, Thursday, and he wanted to go. So Dodge Tide was on the Wednesday, and the Thursday was a massive increase. Just one day different was a massive increase in tide. The Wednesday, the bait was not holding. It just would not hold up on that crappy tide. On the Thursday, with the massive spike in the flood tide, we the, the, just a complete day difference. That was insane. Like the bird life that was holding on top of the – obviously in the air, but on they're on bait that's holding really tight together – and there, which makes the birds tighter. And the tighter the birds get, the tighter the bait balls get him worked. And the higher the birds are in the air, the deeper the bait, the lower the birds, the closer the, the bait is to the surface. And that was a one-day difference off a dodge tide. So that there is the reason that you're uh, you're going to catch more fish. But we have gone for too long for the social club. That is the social club. It is now time for our dream boating destination. And Patrick, I've let you uh, take the reins for this one. Where are we heading to? We're heading to East Arnhem Land uh, this week, Redmond. For many Aussie anglers, clearly Arnhem Land is almost one of those that's one of those bucket list destinations to go and fish before they die. Incredible <laughs> remoteness. The barra fishing, I would argue, would be just about the best on the planet. It receives next to no fishing pressure because um, – it is tough to get in there. You do need permits, which are issued by uh, the traditional landowners um, of the region. So it does take time to sort of get those things in order. But once you do, you'll experience some of the best barramundi fishing, Saratoga, threadfin, dewfish, uh, golden snapper, mackerel that you could ever you know, possibly want to catch. Just one of the most remote but special destinations in Australia to fish. It's got a lot of uh, the Aboriginal culture up there. It's also got a massive uh, history and the heritage up there too is huge as well. If you are interested in going there, so basically you don't, it's not necessarily just fishing either. You can go up there and uh, if you're interested. Just the cultural in significance culture, of yeah. it. Yep, 100%. Absolutely. I wonder if the uh, yeah. barra up there, Patter, is easy as uh, Lake Copperload when I was fishing with you that time when I beat you. I think it was three nothing from five bites. You didn't even get a bite, I don't think. I wonder if it's as easy as second cast in. What do you reckon? Jeez, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> five, five hours of barra fishing at Lake Coppolo. Um, uh, Arnhem Land is the stuff of legend when, when it comes to fishing. It really is. And it isn't just the, the thing is, it isn't just for experienced anglers. When you fish in a place like Arnhem Land, and I was there. Fifteen years ago, I reckon, right? It, anyone can catch a fish because it's just it's so untouched. That's the that's the serious beauty of it. And there are there are different charters that are are accessible, especially in, in East Arnhem Land. But you know, it's it's one of those things you're not picking up you know the rods and jumping in a plane and and just going over the weekend. It's a bit more planning that goes into it than that. Is it close to Groot Island, Pat? Not particularly. As you need to pick up a map, Groot Island's fairly remote. Yeah, but I, I didn't know if it linked into it in that same same waterway system, same system. No, no. no I mean, the sheer geographical distances that you'll see in, in the NT are just, they're enormous compared to 
not anywhere else in Australia. Obviously, West Australia, there's, um, there's some remote locations, but no, groups, different fishing again. Well, there you have it. Arnhem Land, our destination for this week. And Patrick, we're going to love you and leave you there. So you can go, I don't know, we actually, he's probably got time to he's do this. He's going to be throwing show. a ball against <laughs> the wall and catching it. <laughs> oh, Patrick, thank you, for, thank you for joining us on Real Adventures, Pat, as a guest this week. Thanks, boys. Thanks for filling in uh, Sammy Goodman, and I'll, uh, I'll speak to you guys soon. And Thanks we'll, for dialing in, Pat. <laughs> and we'll see you guys after <laughs> the break. We'll be back. On Real Adventures, it's time to get all aboard for Dometic Mobile Living Made Easy. Welcome back to the show, and it is now time for the Real Adventures Rewind. All for Dometic, enjoy our drink on the rocks on your next outdoor adventure with the Dometic CFX3 Ice Maker model. And now we're going back to a place that Pat and I adventured to uh, at late last year. Probably one of the best places that I have been to, Mission Beach. Mission Beach, it is one of the all-time great locations to fish around Australia and a great fishery. Well, I haven't been there, Pat, so we've actually got a fella on the line here that we're going to contact. You've you've fished with Dennis, who's on the line. We'll have a good chat to Dennis, and I'm going to there's a little bit of a story to a fish that you caught there. Yeah, there is. Dan, welcome. Thanks, Pat. How are you doing? I'm going very well, mate. Now, last year, Dan, we, myself and Paul Worsling came up for his show, I Fish, and we did a uh, an episode, or a couple of episodes, I think, and uh, we had a pretty good adventure, didn't we? What, what, what we did? Are you talking about the GT or the time you jumped overboard? <laughs> uh, well, Dennis, that's why we got you here, because we want the truth on both stories here. Before we get there, Dan, tell us about Mission Beach. How long have you been fishing up there and chartering for? Mate, I've been here 15 years at the moment, and I've been chartering out of Mission Beach for the last 13 and, um, yeah, I can only encourage people to come up here because, um, I mean, as you saw, we were pretty lucky. We had some great weather. And, you know, you can fish everything here from Sudi Grants all the way through to Marlin. So, you know, we're pretty lucky. And the, the great thing is it's it's an hour south of the Cairns Airport, but it's just so close to the reef as well, isn't it? Well, we're actually the closest point to the Great Barrier Reef. You're only looking at 15 miles. So, you know, on a good day, 45 minutes and you're on the reef. For me, Aaron... The last thing I want to be doing is travelling yeah, three hours in a boat to get to the Great Barrier Reef. And the, the great thing is, straight out of Mission Beach, and we're there in 45, Dan. Yeah, no, I mean, it was good. And the fishing wasn't too bad either, wasn't it? For, for those people that haven't fished with Pat, Pat and I do a bit of fishing together. <laughs> Let's just say Pat hasn't got much patience for driving or waiting. He likes doing stuff, don't you, Pat? Well, <laughs> actually, this fits in well with Dan, because Dennis is not patient. You're either onto the fish or you're not, and if he's not onto the fish... You're happy to move, aren't you, Dan? We've got to catch him straight away. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I work on about 60 seconds for a bait. And, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, if it ain't happening, you're in the wrong spot, you know. Now, we did have a pretty cool story about GTs. Um, Dan, yep. Dan found the spot, Aaron, and I hooked this massive GT. And then by the time that we got the fish to the boat, and we'll put these uh, pictures up on the v- Real Adventures Facebook page, the only thing that had me connected to the fish was a jig that I'd actually hooked the hooks jig. And, Dan, can you clarify this for me? This is, in actual fact, the truth. Well, well in actual fact, when I saw it come up and, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, PW's going on, oh, he's hooked the hook, he's hooked the hook. I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? And, um, I mean, I've, I've never, ever seen anything like that. And uh, as much as I hate to do it, I, I've got to give you 100% for the fact that you kept <laughs> a hook, hooked onto a hook all the way through a fight on a GT. I mean, I've just never seen anything like so that. So, Pat, for people to understand a little bit better, 
So these GTs, and correct me if I'm wrong, Den, but these are like mini VWs. They are, these are such a brute fish, and you catch them all the time, but there's some serious power to them, isn't there? Oh, without a doubt. I mean, I don't know if people know about how many you lost before we actually got that one. <laughs> so what was connecting the fish to the lure? It was like a size small so, whiting hook or something. No, it was well, the, the jig that they'd been using was basically your $5 Kmart job. It That's what it was. It was very, very simple, and it was... Yep. Um, the, the, the hooks were, you know, maybe even, they might have been 50 cents if that. And <laughs> somehow I'd managed to hook that hook. And as Dan said, you've got to keep pressure on the hook. And that's the only way that we got it to the boat. But um, that was my first experience, Dan, fishing with Paul Worsling, the, uh, the masterful Paul, Paul Worsling from iFish. <laughs> I tell you what, he doesn't need a coffee in the mornings, does he? <laughs> he he's a terrible fisherman. He pretends. <laughs> <laughs> if Paul's listening, uh, <laughs> sorry, Paul. <laughs> now, Dan, yeah. for our listeners out there, if you are going to travel to Mission Beach, you're flying to Cairns. Yep. The South Mission Beach Caravan Park's an option. Castaways yep. Resort is another, and then you basically operate within two minutes of the Castaways um, Resort, don't you? Yeah, they, uh, that's exactly right. And, I mean, there, there are a few operators up here, so, you, you know, you, you've got a choice. Now, the best time of the year to fish Mission Beach, in your opinion, I, I think it's a wonderful fishery all throughout the year, but give us your best months. I'd reckon August, September, October, you, you know, just about every single species available to you. And, um, you know, especially October, we get those long periods where the wind drops right off. Dennis, can, and, you, um, can you name a few yeah. species that people would be coming up with in those prime months? Name a few species yeah. that people have as their options. Okay, we've got largemouth nanogoss, smallmouth nanogoss, sweet lip, coral trout, uh, Spanish mackerel, marlin, dolphin fish, wahoo. You know, I know, you can just keep going. So just a couple of things, Pat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And the beauty is, Aaron, if you do come up and fish with uh, Dennis from Fishing Mission, you're fishing out of a beautiful cat with a couple of twin Hondas. It absolutely purrs that thing. In style. Even though Dennis just likes to keep the uh, the revs down a little bit. He doesn't like, like to Like myself? Cat, yeah. <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that right, Dan? Yeah, well, I mean, well when you're only going to go 15 to 20 miles offshore and that, you know, you don't have to flog it because you're going to be there in 45, 50 minutes in any case, you know. Yeah. One of the other great things, Dan, about Mission Beach is its proximity to Hitchinbrook Island, which once again is one of the yep. great fishing destinations, and that's on the doorstep. Mate, 40 minutes south of us, you're down into Hinchinbrook, there's a whole rake of, you know, you can have, you can go and stay on a boat for a for a week, or, you know, Garth was one of the barra charters out there, mate, and, you know, so you, I, I often get groups that do a couple of days down in Hinchinbrook chasing barra, and then they'll come up to Mission Beach and do a couple of days out on, you know, on the reef, and, you know, what a wonderful week. The, now, Dunk Island, which is located directly off uh, Mission Beach, is it operating as a resort again yet or not just yet? Yeah, the, the guy's trying to get it up and running again. And, uh, you know, ho- he's hoping that by the end of the year he'll go. But uh, we've got a fishing competition on the first week of September as our marlin comp out of Mission Beach. So, yeah, you should come up. Well, Dennis, thanks for joining us. As Actually, I- Pat, I'm going to interrupt you. Oh, okay. Now... When you were at Mission Beach, Dennis, I want the truth here. Did Pat jump in after a rod and explain how that happened and what he broke of Paul Worsling's? Well, 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 what happened is we actually we were chasing GT, so we went and anchored on one of the uh, on one of the wrecks, 
Now, uh, as Pat knows, there's some massive bronze whalers on these rivers. <laughs> he's having a little bit of a fish there with some small, wobbly little stick that, you know, Paul Westling gave him. Well, Dan, we were he's jigging. We were jigging, so you yeah. better give it a big jig and a <laughs> fluent motion. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And he gives it a big yank, and there goes the right overboard. And all of a sudden, I see Pat dive over the side of the boat, and I'm just freaking out because I'm thinking, yes, yeah, yes, one of Australia's national treasures. And off he goes. How am I going to explain this to Maritime Safe to Queensland? Oh, God. He dives over, and he actually grabs the rod, you know, a couple of metres under the water and swims to the back of the boat. Paul Wersing's freaking out, not because of his rod, it's because old Pat's got 4000 bucks worth of sound equipment on him. <laughs> That's what he said to me. <laughs> Which is just killed. So it was like a few hundred dollar rod and $4,000 worth of microphones. <laughs> That's exactly right. He just killed all that. So Paul was so peed off with him, put him in a big yellow banana shirt after that. Dan, I've just about had enough from you. <laughs> but on the serious side of things, as... Mission Beach, it's a wonderful place to, to We're fish. We're going to get up there, Pat. Fish and Mission. Dennis, thank you again. Uh, I had a wonderful time uh, last year when I was up there, and I'll certainly be up there this year. Thanks again, Dan. Yeah, thanks a lot, Pat. That was the Real Adventures Rewind for Dometic Mobile Living. Made easy. You're listening to Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. Welcome back to Real Adventures. Eddie's time for our last little segment. Yes, it's now time for Red's Tip. This week, it's going to go back to fishing on the bay. Uh, this can be used anywhere in the world, this tip, and it pays off massively. Uh, I was getting a few whiting at the end of the week, and I've been getting them uh, quite regularly, all week actually, and uh, quite good fish in good numbers. And I rocked up to fish there the other day, and there was about... 10 or so 15 boats in that area. And I thought, no worries, easy done. I'd given the areas on Solka where we were getting them, so I'm glad people were catching fish. I rocked up, there's a few boats catching fish, and I anchored up and I got a few fish, and they weren't quite to the standard I wanted to get them because of the boat traffic. And people were happy, they were catching some really nice fish around me. The tip is this week is do not be afraid to move away. Now, what I'm trying to give you there is if you're chasing snapper in Port Phillip Bay, there is so many schools of snapper out there that you do not have to sit near the nearest charter boat or you do not have to sit in the pack of 50,000 boats like every person does. You've got to be so much smarter than this and you can catch so many more fish if you move away. So what I did, I'd been catching fish in the same area for the whole week. So I thought, I'll just move away and go look for some new fish. I did one move. I pushed up about three or four kilometers into another sand hole. I'd never fished there before, and that's I had marks there, but I've, I probably might have fished that area, but I hadn't fished there recently just to tell me that there was fish there. And I anchored up, and sure enough, within our first baits that went in, we had whiting, and we didn't have another boat around us, and that area crowded up massively. And what I like to do on Salt Guide is spread people out in areas that I, I believe there's fish, and I, or I know there's fish, and. That is great, and it's great that people were getting a few fish, but you can use the salt guide and those areas where boats are to your advantage. Head to the area where the boats are 
and just move away a couple of kilometers. Quite often, those fish will get pushed up further of the bay, and I like to move always up tide of the bay. So what I mean by that is a whiting always try and put their heads into the tide. That's the way they feed. So I try to move up the bay rather than down. You, you probably will find them down, but I just feel like when boats crowd a selected area, they'll move up further. And we honestly moved up a few Ks, and there was so many fish there and they were the same size fish, whether they were there already or they moved up because the boats had spooked them a bit. But don't be afraid to spread out and move areas. If you find a school of snapper out of Karam, say, for example, don't hesitate to move up another couple of k's and go for a sound because probably going to be another school somewhere in that small area. So And you can get away from the boats and you can have them to yourself. So that there is Red's tip. And this week's flying gaff is a really good one. It peed me off during the week pretty bad. Basically... We were offshore chasing gummy sharks middle of the week and I was fishing with a regular guest on the show, Sammy Goodwin. And I think Sammy should stay in the kitchen because he is a cook, as we know. He does some awesome food, seafood or you name it, the lot. But I think he should stay there because we were on anchor and we had very limited bait. We had caught a handful of yakis. Uh, could not get too many. That was the only fresh bait we had. I had salmon in the freezer that looked like it had been in there for 15 years. And we're sitting on anchor and... We just got a nice gummy shark around that eight kilo. And what I was doing, I was cutting the yakas in half to get two baits. I was cutting the tail version in the top half. The gummy we got was on the head half of the bait. So I threw that, had that one already out and had another tail version out on a straight up and down rod fishing for gummies. And I'm sitting there and I go to myself, I could have sworn that I had more yakka baits. And I was the one doing most of the baits. And I'm like, I could have sworn anyway, I'd let it go. I'm trying to catch more yakas, not having any luck. No gummies are coming in. And we've got another one on a parrotfish. I'm like, that's all right. I'll put some more yakker out. Hopefully with a fresh bait, we get a couple more. And all of a sudden I said, where in the hell are these yakkers going? It's doing my head in. I said, I've seriously searched everywhere. I said, where it is? And Sam's like, oh, they're not on the board, are they? He goes, mate, it, half your tails are there. You can see they're cut off. And the heads are like, what? I said, the heads what? And he didn't finish his sentence. And he goes, oh, you know that dolphin that come past? He goes, oh, I thought I'd try and feed it all those yakka heads. So Sammy Goodwin gets flying gaff this week for one, trying to feed a dolphin that was playing around the boat. Number two, throwing our best bait in the water. And number three, he wasn't allowed to pick up a rod and catch a gummy until he caught more yakkas. And we didn't actually catch another gummy and we didn't catch another yakka. But that there is Real Adventures for the week. Sammy Goodwin gets the flying gaff. I am actually heading out on the boat. It's blowing a little bit, but I'm going to head out and see if I can find some water. So stay safe, everyone, and I'll see you next week. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely, and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91